Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here with the last week in mortgage today. See everybody getting logged on. We'll go ahead and get started momentarily. Holidays and New Year. Good to you, Dan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. The only uh, the only downside was we're uh, Michigan season ticket holders and we had bought refundable. Well, we had bought plane tickets, game tickets and hotel and the rest to go out to California for the national championship game. And TCU uh, said no to that. So uh, that that got shut down quickly. And then last night. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I. I'm a Buckeye fan, so I was like, "Oh my God!" Like, oh, we almost we had we had that game field goal. Oh, Buckeyes were the better team that day. They they made the Big Ten proud. If only they would have gotten over the hump at the very end. Oh, it's just a shame. And your guy Harbaugh. I mean, what's your theory? I, you know, I think is he mad to the changes they made him make a couple of years ago? He's just now obsessed with flirting every <laughs> offseason with every suitor. I think he's a bum, and I hope he leaves. <laughs> I like Dan already. So uh, happy Tuesday, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly whirlwind through uh, all the latest and greatest in the mortgage industry and our first episode of 2023. And I think this is the third year we've been doing this show. The goal uh, is to kind of summarize, uh, help save the time of the leader, uh, listeners, the viewers, uh, get you outside your silo a little bit, um, give you some perspective on uh, what's going on outside your shop. And to help me do that each week, uh, by design, pick a different lender member co-host of the show each week. And this week, really pleased to be joined by the vice president and mortgage sales director for First Merchants Bank, Dan Irvin. Dan, happy new year and great to see you. Thanks. It's a real pleasure to be here, and uh, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get into it. And as always, any comments, questions, chats, jokes, thoughts, throw them in the chat of the Q&A, and we will incorporate them into the show. So, Dan, obviously not the greatest year for the mortgage industry in 2022, but a pretty optimistic start to this one. Rates moving in the right direction. Uh, We got a really great jobs report, kind of the first big economic number um, of the year last Friday, a jobs report that wasn't really weak, but with a wage growth component of it was much weaker than expected. Great news for the mortgage industry uh, as it relates to inflation and its impact on mortgage bonds and mortgage rates. Got a big number coming up this Thursday, CPI, the Consumer Price Index, the headline uh, kind of index in America of what American consumers are paying for things. So all eyes will be peeled 8.30 Eastern Thursday morning. But uh, your thoughts on just the general start to the year coming off a, a kind of tough one? Yeah, well, to say the that December, and especially the back half of December was slow would probably be an understatement. But I think there is there is some energy right now. Uh, seeing the fixed rate come down to a, a heck of a lot closer to 6%. That's a uh, that's creating a lot of callbacks to people who wanted to put things on hold and see what happens. So I think it's a combination of rates getting into a little bit more of a comfort zone versus where they've been the last you know four months or so. Uh, but I also think there's a, a process consumers are going through in which they're beginning to understand this is just kind of the world that we live in. 
and there's not so much of that long lost love for a you know a three percent rate that uh that's now many months in our, our rear view window so i think that yeah the, the combination of, of rates beginning to move a little bit uh and uh and you know homes be more accessible bar buyer sellers being a little bit more realistic in their expectations and and sensible in how they're receiving offers that uh we're seeing definitely a pickup in activity especially these last couple of weeks another report came out this week Fannie Mae's uh, monthly housing sentiment index uh which made some national media news only in that it was a positive housing report <laughs> the first one uh, probably in a while um but you know in a nutshell uh, Fannie's monthly housing sentiment index showed consumer confidence in housing rising for the first time and quite some time um you know the percentage of people that feel like it's a good time to buy a home went up five percent albeit from 16 to 21 percent um but uh also you know the amount the the percentage of uh consumers who think mortgage rates are going to fall uh was highly elevated and then also uh still more people than not thought home prices would fall a little bit so hence why so many people on the sideline you talked about the business climate in december you already got this kind of not really conducive to great business interest rate climate then you've got consumers out there that are now of the mindset that home values are going to drop a little bit as we get into the year and interest rates so let's just take a pause in the winter see what's going on in the spring is that what you're kind of hearing and feeling on the sidelines in the midwest I do. Uh, I, I I think that there is some of that going on right now, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, uh, my gosh, those uh, you know desk drawers full of pre-approvals are, are are some of them are much more coming to life as buyers realize maybe there is a crack at it. Um, and while inventory certainly isn't great right now, those homes that are on the market, I think again those sellers are much more realistic, and uh, we're getting a heck of a lot more offers accepted on the initial offer at a at a relatively normal price than than what we've seen. So, um, yeah, I just I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, more of these homes come on the market because I believe uh, uh, sellers are also seeing if there's going to be a decrease in home prices, then maybe now is the time to get it going. You know, get the holidays clear, get get the uh, the decorations down, and uh, get the house clean up to put on the market and get a piece of this market. Uh, you know, and get a good piece of the upcoming purchase season, uh, especially if prices are to continue to go down. And that's kind of where I was going there. And, you know, we've talked about that on this show over the course of the last couple of years, but housing has been very much in the national media and news post pandemic, low rates, triggering refi madness. And, uh, you know, eventually some uh, good, strong home home purchase activity, um, you know, and then, you know, these the crazy run up in home values that, the you know, the headline warriors always make more out of. And now, you know, they're starting to slip the other way and people are acting like, you know, the uh, the floor is coming out from underneath everything. Um, but, you know, kind of where I was going with that is, you know, I to your point that you made, right? If you are somebody that is planning to sell your home this year, you're starting to see a lot of reports like the one from Fannie Mae showing stronger consumer housing confidence, those that are in the business of potentially buying a home, getting more interested uh, in what's going on, feeling better about the situation, yet they think values are going to drop. So, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a contradiction, home, huh? You're looking to sell your home this year. I, I think you could see, I think you could see pretty big run-ups 
um, in inventory over the course of the next three, four months because of all the motivations for sellers to list right now. Yet, I think a lot of buyers still are on the sideline, at least as we sit here today. Yeah, yeah, I do think it's interesting, right, that uh, it's it's a contradiction in that regard, but it might just play out that way. Uh, that, that, you know, we're, we're talking about inventory and, and inventory even going down more so uh, by a decent jump just in the last week. But I don't think, you know, let's not be fooled by what, what, what one week told us. I think there are people getting ready to put on the market and, and take advantage of as much equity as they can. Um, but yeah, uh, this this is really going to be an interesting year. And uh, I just hope the originators out fighting for it are are already well into uh, not only creating their plans for it, but implementing those plans. And that's a topic I want to dig a little deeper into what loan originators out there, a lot of them listen to this show and leaders that hire LOs, uh, dig a little deeper on that uh, momentarily here. But what Dan was alluding to there was on the inventory side was uh, just a drop in inventory uh, report that came out this week showing a 4% uh week over week drop in in housing inventory uh it was kind of you know a big week to week drop for this time of year um but you know i think that uh you know typically you see inventory drop as we get into december but uh dan as you noted um a lot of tea leaves right now indicating that we could see could see more homes on the market as we get into the new year so um dan Ellos, uh, your background uh, is a pretty decorated one in the industry. I haven't worked for you know banks as big as City Mortgage and done some sales coaching and consulting and leading the mortgage division at banks and, and other institutions. And you know, I think the one the one thing that all TMC lender members right now are are talking about is you know w- creative ways to get their LOs out there and, and doing something we're we're actually in the process right now of crafting some curriculum here at tmc in and around sales call reluctance um just because it is such a huge issue right now um every time the topic is brought up with lenders uh you know it's something that you can just see is resonating with them talking about strategies they're trying to implement things that are working things that aren't um, if you could talk for a little bit about the issue, just, you know, the tough sales climate right now, how tough it is to be a salesperson right now, and, you know, maybe some best practices for those that are looking to take things to the next level as we get into the new year here. Yeah, well, I, I, a really interesting data point is that, you know, w- when you look at originators last year who entered the year in spite of unbelievable historic interest rates they never lost focus on the purchase business and no matter how many refis they stumbled across they never took their eye off the ball and still were able to maintain 80 90 percent of their business in the purchase world frankly last year a lot of those folks had a good year while so many others suffered being caught flat-footed with massive portions of their book of business relying upon refis. So there are actually people who focused on purchase last year, veteran top producing originators who had increases in their year-over-year volume because purchase was up. And it's real, it can happen. But you know the, the concern is for the so many originators who are suffering right now, uh, and the leaders tasked to lead them and give them answers, ideas, focus right now. Uh, in my opinion, it's about activity and it's about as leaders, you know, what must we do 
to uh, to not only set an expectation, help our folks have a plan, but to actually get into the, you know, get in the dirt a little bit and see to it that these plans are being implemented. I mean, I'm actually saying, how, go on the sales call with your salespeople to, to, to call on a real estate office, to call on an attorney, to call on a financial planner, see what, what words they're using, how they how they interact. I, I do think that we have to get that much into the weeds with our people to help them do it because this is, you know, this right now is a time where we not only need to get out there and get after, yes, our past clients, yes, the people who sent us past business, but frankly, that's not enough. Right now, we've got to get out and we've got to meet people that we don't know and they don't know us, and that's uncomfortable. And uh, and that's only going to happen uh, with leadership. And with someone who uh, who an originator knows is is supporting them is is constantly giving them uh, you know support positivity guidance and, and also uh, you know kind of going arm in arm. I just think you can't sit you can't sit in the office and just hope these folks are out there making the right decisions and and carving out their days into making them as efficient and productive as possible. Uh, just a simple little example of something. Um, an originator that I'm, I'm great friends with went out to uh, Todd Duncan recently. And that's, for those of you who haven't been there, uh, I think a lot of you have, but that's, in my opinion, about the best in the business. He, what he brings, his events are as good as it gets. One of the speakers out there was a guy who uh, talked about a book that he'd written called uh, the Mr. Thank You Project for anybody here who, uh, who may not have seen it. But bottom line is this guy went out and uh, he, uh, he committed himself for one year, 365 days, to write five cards of gratitude per day for 365 days. So we put out whatever that is, 1,875 cards in one year. So uh, reading through that, understanding all the benefits, not just am I going to get a deal if I send this, but am I going to build a relationship? Am I going to make someone feel better in their life? Are they going to feel differently about me and understand the way that, that, that I treat the people that I interact with? Uh, the upside to it is enormous. So what we've done here is we've uh, had all of our originators, uh, we've got everyone on a text string. Every day, all of us, we're calling it the 30-day challenge, are sending out a handwritten card of gratitude to someone in our life or someone we just met or someone we want to meet. Uh, and every day, everyone in the in our group has to email a picture of that handwritten card to the team. That's their accountability. Now, obviously, the goal in this is to have it not end in 30 days. Of course, at the end of 30 days, we'll probably have a thousand cards that will have gone out. But the objective of this, and 10 days out from the end of this 30-day period, I've already sent the invitation of who now wants to go go Vegas on this and go for the full year. Um, but that, that's the kind of activity. We can't control our outcomes. What we can control is the activity that will ultimately cre uh, create those outcomes. we got to do that as leaders, starting now. I love it. I, that's one of the reasons, one of many, I love this show, getting a chance to talk to you know, really brilliant leaders uh, across the country, different ideas, things they're implementing. I'd like to think that's why we have people listening to this thing every week. It's the little nuggets that you pick up. I love that one, the handwritten note. You know, the little things absolutely do matter. This day and age of e-everything and email and text and automated replies and blah, 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 blah. I would argue the little things matter even more um, because less and less people are going to do them because there's so many easy way outs to them. And uh, but just great, great anecdote uh, about little things that matter and something you guys are doing inside your organization it's probably having big impact just on the morale and the the uh, emotional tanks of, of everybody that's involved with that exercise. 
Oh, it, absolutely. And then and then for our folks who are doing this, it's then getting the reinforcement from their peers and from me when they when they send over their note. All right, great work. Well, that's a good idea. I didn't think about sending one to to that person in my life. Um, and I don't know if you're interested, but one other thing that that we have really put a focus on is we did about eight events in the fall and into winter where we would uh uh, in a market, ask all of our originators to to invite all of their referral sources, those that they have and those that they're they're targeting to an event in which we would come in. And I was actually putting on a seminar called How to Up Your Earnings in a Down Market. Um, and obviously, it doesn't have to be something like that. It can be talking about uh, programs, products, um, you know, co-marketing initiatives. How do we grow our business together? So there's different ways to do it. And there's talent in every company who's on this call today uh, to invite to be that proactive in the market. And what we found was we were getting anywhere from 30 to 100 people in these eight events. Uh, and then as far as building real estate relationships, not only did that further solidify with those who knew us and already had, you know, had some form of relationship, but we were getting referrals on the spot. And then more importantly, there were originators there who work inside of real estate companies with in-house mortgage lenders that we could never get in the front door to. And now those agents going back to their office to talk it up with other agents and the owners of those companies, the owners of the companies are saying the same thing. We need business. We need our realtors more active. We have real estate entities with in-house mortgage companies inviting us into their office to an all-company seminar for them. So again, what can we do to get audiences to produce value, give ideas, help these people in their lives? And that's the only way we can ask for business is by helping them win business that they may not have other gotten on, otherwise gotten on their own. Love it. All, all you TMC lender members out there I've talked to over the last uh, several months, uh, anxious about LOs, sitting around, not doing anything. Some great uh, words of wisdom there. Uh, from this week's co-host to the last week in Mortgage Today, uh, Dan Irvin, the Vice President and Mortgage Sales Director of First Merchants Bank, based out of Indiana with offices all over Big Ten country. Although I guess Big Ten country is like the whole America now. Um, yeah, right. That includes New York now, I guess, right? Or New Jersey. <laughs> right, exactly. So, Dan, something else in the news, it uh, caught some of uh, the attention of those of us in the mortgage industry. Uh Federal Trade Commission, uh, who we know is looking at some some mortgage related mergers at uh, some big companies, uh, came out and said that employee non compete clauses could soon be banned under a new rule that they were proposing. Immediately, many came out and said, "There's no way this will ever be banned." And you know, those of us in this industry long have we all have them when I manage LOs, you know. It's tough to compete, although there's tons of lawsuits right now in the mortgage industry, so you could argue a lot of people are shying to enforce them, but uh, your thoughts on FTC talking about potentially banning non-compete clauses? Yeah, I, geez, Rich, I don't know. You might you might not like my answer on this, but hey, I'll, I'll shoot you straight. My history, and I've been part of six acquisitions, I've seen people come and go, and when the vultures are flying low and all the rest of the things that go on in our business, uh, I, uh, the biggest concern I have as a leader in a sales organization is not a non-compete agreement because I think in a lot of states they've been, you know, highly unenforceable. Go try to enforce a non-compete in California. Good luck. Uh, now in Michigan, where I'm from, yeah, in, in Michigan, where I'm from, there are a couple massive players here that everybody here probably knows, and they do try to put those in play and they will follow through and bring the hammer down. But I, I just, my thought has been as a, as a mortgage entity, uh, I am much more concerned about having very strong and followed through upon non-solicit agreements. 
than where people go to compete if they do choose to leave my organization. So getting ready of a non-compete doesn't bother me. I think most companies don't, don't go out and enforce them enough or whether or not willing to commit the legal resources to do it and the time and waste of energy. Uh, but the, a non-solicit, you know, when that person turns around and then, and then steals your sales force, and then you're thinking about, you know, tortious interference and things like that, that gets really scary. But um, the non-compete to me, it, to me, is a kind of a non-factor. Yeah, and, and good advice as well. You know, you know the non-solicit tenants. Uh, you know, depending on your business business model and where data resides, and you know, how you share leads and stuff with people, the more the more important stuff there. But uh, something we'll be keeping an eye on here on this show, just because of the prevalence of those tenants to employment agreements in the mortgage industry. Uh, Dan also uh, this week a report. Um, just about uh, build for uh, build for rent uh, market and how uh, demand is really starting to increase there. Um, you know, just given you know some of the impediments, affordability and interest rates right now, buy a house. But so a lot of interest starting to percolate around those that uh, want to build a home, rent it, and then buy it when applicable. Um, any any thoughts on that segment of uh, the housing market? Uh, I'm not that well informed on this piece, frankly. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not as informed on this as I should. That's because be, so. there's none of it in Ohio or Michigan where we are. Yeah. It's, it's a really uh, location-driven. Uh, you know, all these the places where you're seeing a lot of population growth, the Austins and the uh, you know Denvers and Nashville and things like that. But that's something to keep an eye on. It uh, hopefully that these impediments to buying houses that are complete um, and, and, you know, maybe some help to the home builders to start building some more affordable homes will eliminate the need for build for rent and all that. But on the affordability side, Dan, being fellow Midwestern or anything unique happening in Michigan or Indiana, uh, you know, it, it's just, it, there's a lot of positive things starting to happen right now for housing in general. I mean, the interest rates are starting to come down, some great signs on inflation, abating. Uh, I think you got a ton of just motivated home buyers out there. And as we touched on at the beginning of the show, some things starting to happen to motivate sellers to put homes on the market. So all in all, I'm very bullish um, as we go into the new year. But the one part of our industry that just still terrifies me is just no new homes are being constructed yeah. that are less than three, 400,000 where we live and more than that on the coasts. Anything happening in Michigan? Any thoughts on, on that? Issue. Yeah, well, again, to just kind of echo that challenge a little bit, about 20% of our business is construction or renovation lending. And uh, the, the business, I just don't know how folks are, are able to get a builder to build them, uh, you know, an affordable first home right now, because it just doesn't pencil for the builders. Uh, the cost of materials, access to materials, uh, labor that goes with that, timing around all that. Uh, it seems the only homes builders really want to build right now are some of the bigger homes and, uh, you know, where, where they know that it's going to end up working out for them. Uh, that said, I do think there is a, a tremendous market in the renovation space. And yes, you know, we're a bank, so we do a portfolio loan, but I, I'm a big believer still that, you know, the Fannie Homestyle program, for example, is a great product. And if there are originators not out looking at those, a saleable product to, to Fannie, 
how many people do we know, all of us, as you think about it, who are in a home that for whatever reason, they they, they, they don't want to uh, sell that home or they're not sure where they're going to move to. But gosh, if they could just redo the kitchen, uh, that half bath, you know, add that extra room to the house uh, and do that within the confines of, of one mortgage at a reasonable rate. Uh, I feel like that's a product and offering that not enough of us have enough knowledge of. And thus, none of the people we do business with do, and none of the sphere that we go out and call on for business do. But that is, in my opinion, low-hanging fruit. And we have done a ton of renovation loans. Uh, and that's just something we just got to inform people of. So I think that's an opportunity. Specific marketing in the markets in the Midwest. And I'm not saying this because you're an Ohio State fan. I cannot believe how strong the market of Columbus, Ohio is. And in Ann Arbor, Michigan, believe it or not. And maybe that has something to do with, you know, uh, cities that uh, are, you know, are the focal point around a major university. Uh, but the, the the companies moving their businesses to Columbus, the home values and the construction going with that is just off the charts right now. So uh, I think some of those markets, maybe those are, you know, build for rent types of markets as well, where, you know, I, a lot of my friends own properties in Ann Arbor, for example, and that's that's the easiest money they, they can make as a, as a home builder or a home buyer is buying these homes, renting them, building them and renting them out because there's constant demand and demand at a premium. Um, so, yeah, those are a couple of markets. Build up of those communities, Columbus and Ann Arbor, two, you know, really well regarded universities churning out. You know, it's just lower cost of living, good place to live. Uh, you know, a lot in the past, those graduates would a lot of times leave Ohio and Michigan to go elsewhere. But, it's, uh, yeah, they're staying Staying home, I think Ohio and Michigan also have done a better job making a more conducive business climate, um, at least in Ohio in the past. Well, not much as so, but uh, so good stuff there. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week, joined by the Vice President and Mortgage Sales Director for First Merchants Bank, Dan Irvin. Got about five minutes left with Dan. Some good stuff in the chat about you know, Ohio State and Michigan uh, co-hosts living in harmony. And some uh, some Todd Duncan anecdotes in the chat as well. I, I never went to Todd Duncan, but uh, can you describe what it's like to force J.R. Ryder into a traveling situation? The former uh, tumultuous shooting guard J.R. Ryder I, is that was that a Todd Duncan exercise or something? <laughs> no, that's, that must have come from an old friend of mine. Well, a current friend of, who just became an old friend, uh, former friend. Yeah, I walked on the basketball team at San Jose State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah many years ago i did and that was my my claim to fame was i formed uh, uh, yeah the uh the highly volatile jr rider i forced him into a traveling situation that was my shiny moment in, oh in you, you you defended jr yeah i defended him for about three minutes for one traveling situation eight points and then quickly back to the bench eight, <laughs> well, eight points for him his, when, when you were covering him I mean, his talent and his pedigree was off the charts he was supposed to be like the next you know jordan kobe at one point yeah yeah 40 inch vertical leap and quickness and shooting and all that stuff but uh did can't account for what's in somebody's head i guess did he talk a lot of smack on the court no his actions it pretty much did all the talking for him and and his his teammates <laughs> That's nice. yeah uh, so any other comments questions chat uh jr rider uh stories uh i uh, got a few minutes left and we can uh, incorporate them into the show. Um, Dan, the competitive climate, we were talking about it a little bit pre-show. Uh, I've said this before, feel like it's a good competitive climate for the depositories moving forward, at least more so, you know, than it has been, um, you know, just based on, uh, you know, the ability to 
uh, you know, put some product in the portfolio and, you know, access to deposits and breadth of product and, you know, uh, the ability to, you know, withstand the crazy ups and downs, uh, you know, for institutions with with multiple divisions. But uh, you're a guy that's got a lot of in, uh, experience in, in a lot of different uh, facets and areas of this industry. would be interested in your perspective on the competitive climate right now to to take us uh, into the week here. Yeah, Uh so the other, every other bank I've been a part of is that uh, that bank that everyone thinks of when they think of a bank trying to do mortgage. They're going to be slow. They're going to make a mess of purchase. Uh, they don't empathize well, and uh, you know the the smaller players, the independents, and the brokers brokers run circles around them. And frankly, that's been true. Uh, what I've seen over these last the last year in particular, and today, in fact is that it, it this is as competitive uh, a time I've ever seen to be a bank in the in the mortgage space uh, to not only be a bank but a bank with a balance sheet that has liquidity uh, and a willingness to participate in this market which means going to market today with a very strong construction to perm program a portfolio renovation program as I mentioned a physician program uh, strong arm products uh, these are the things a lot of customers are looking for today and you know, talking to someone who says, I know I'm not going to be in my house or in my mortgage any more than five to seven or 10 years. Uh, if, you, if I can give somebody an interest rate that's a full point or more better than their other options in the marketplace, uh, that's something a lot of people are looking at. And I tell you this, folks, because the worm will turn, we'll be back to being that slow company. Everybody's running circles around it. Ideally not, but um, but but right now, I have never had my phone ring more with originators interested in having conversations. All the years and months of chasing and uh, and following up endlessly, I've never seen people showing up at the door like this. I tell you this, folks, because it's never been a more important time. If I'm an independent, if I'm an owner independent, then to be holding my people close, make sure that they are feeling the love and that you're doing everything you possibly can to support them and let them know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You whether you're investing your technology or their sales practice, they need to see it now. And in the absence of that, with lower pipelines, they may be looking elsewhere. Now is the time to hold them close. Dan, great stuff. Really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, definitely earned repeat performance in the co-host slot. And I uh, really appreciate your insight and uh, your participation this week. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And to our attendees, thank you, as always, for joining us. New Year, same drill, every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, live on Zoom. Always get a great, nice live audience for the show. Uh, and then much more so after the fact on YouTube and where most of you listen on podcast, TMC Connect, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can subscribe and get us in your feed. And evidently giving us great ratings helps others find us. So uh, Dan, thanks again. And uh, everybody, we'll see you next Tuesday. Have a great week. Take have care. a great week. Thanks. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.